Hello and a very warm welcome to Tito's Table Talk. I'm your host, Rhett Downing, as always, otherwise nicknamed Tito, and today I decided to change some stuff up a bit. I mean, surprise, surprise, right? I do that quite a bit, actually. (laughs) As most of you know, I am a published author. That being said, this episode, I'm going to give y'all a little sneak peek of some things I'm working on, right? It's actually a book of short stories. I wanted to change my curriculum up a whole lot just for kicks and giggles, right? So I'm going to read three short stories that are in the works as of right now. And that being said, I truly hope you enjoy it. Let's get right into it, shall we? Oh, right. I forgot to mention to signify the next story is coming up. There's going to be a very cheesy transition. All right. Please enjoy. Okay. This first one is called Plenty of Time. So let's get right into it. Dear God, forgive me of the things I take for granted. Amen. Heather always believed she had plenty of time. From those days of frolicking on a playground, there was time to play. To those days of relaxing with friends, there was time to relax. Even to those days as an adult, she would have believed she had plenty of time. Plenty of it to hang out with friends or tell her family she loved them. Yet, she was never able to become an adult. One night out with friends, a drunk driver smashed head-on into her car, and she was killed instantly. William always believed he had plenty of time. From those days of frolicking on a playground, there was time to play. To those days of relaxing with friends, there was time to relax. Even to those days as an adult, he would have believed he had plenty of time. Plenty of it to hang out with friends or tell his family he loved them. Yet, he was never able to become an adult. One night, without anyone home, he took his own life. For the most inexplicable reason, he somehow believed he wasn't loved. Oh, how he didn't see it. But the love for him was profound. Monty always believed he had plenty of time. From those days of frolicking on a playground, there was time to play. To those days of relaxing with friends, there was time to relax. Even to those days as an adult, he believed he had plenty of time. Plenty of it to hang out with friends or tell his family he loved them. However, life set in like a parasite and a host. Bills, debt, and work took all of his time. He figured he had plenty of it to call his mother or father or brother or sister to catch up. He figured he had plenty of it to reunite with old friends on some uneventful weekend. He figured he had plenty of time to find one whom he could love and start a family. One night, walking home from work, he met the loveliest woman in the entire world. He figured he had plenty of time to tell her how he felt. Who was he kidding? Before he knew it, Monty was on his deathbed, pondering what could have happened or what was meant to be, pondering the family he could have had if he had just taken a chance, pondering at how his life was like a lightning bolt, faster than the blink of an eye. The greatest fallacy of our lives is telling ourselves we have plenty of time. And the worst tragedy of it is believing we are not loved. A Dog's Perspective I see people walking by and my excitement runs wild, but they do not stop for me. I see dogs across and next to me who leave with open arms, and yet they don't take me. The days run long, 
and I see people walking by, but they don't stop for me. I have love, I yell. I know I do. I will love you with all my heart. Just give me a chance. But they don't stop for me. The crisscross gate in front of me prevents me from saying hello. That's okay. I'll wait. Maybe someone will stop for me. Some dogs I see do not go free. They disappear behind the closed door and never come back. I sometimes wonder where they go. Oh, another person walking by. Maybe they'll stop for me. But they walk right on by. I wonder what's behind those closed doors. Finally, someone picks me up and I'm ecstatic just to feel warmth and comfort. She's taking me to what's beyond those closed doors. But I don't care. I love you for holding me. Behind the closed doors rests a table and a needle. I wonder what those are for, but I don't care. I love you for holding me. As I'm placed under the cold table, I'm held down by two others, but I don't care. I love you for petting me. Wait, someone shouts. Somebody wants that dog. Somebody wants me? As I'm lifted, escorted, and exchanged to another person, I can't hold back my excitement. I love you, I say. Someone stopped for me, and I'm finally free. I finally have a chance to love someone wholeheartedly. All right, ladies and gents, we're already on the last one. So let's finish this off strong, shall we? Mayhem. As always, there's an unlimited amount of possibilities that can unravel and shape what lies ahead of us. That being said, I sure hope our future will be brighter than this one. It all started with a blinding light. A light that pierced the darkened skies like a solar flare which drove the senses wild with disorientation. Then the shouts, yells, and chants followed, echoing throughout the snow-covered streets and reverberating against the tall glass buildings. They roared their problems ahead of them in a frenzy of fear and frustration. In turn, they were met by lines and rows of police in thick, black-clad uniforms and riot gear, menacing, daunting, and anxiously waiting. As the city plunged into chaos, the law enforcement mustered every man and woman they could to repel the oncoming hordes of enraged people. The blinding lights of the concussion and flash grenades seemed to ignite the wish for war. Yet, it had already begun. The citizens hurled firebombs, rocks, and glass as they screamed their misfortunes to be answered by the government, though it had already escalated beyond that. They wished to overthrow those in power and take everything for themselves. They wished to dismantle, demolish, and destroy. They wished to become what thousands of years of evolution and nature prepared them to become. After all, the barbaric true natures of man will always be ingrained in the very fibers of their being and sowed into their blood coursing through their veins. The people's ultimate goal was to siege the capital and kill whoever stood in their way. After that, only time would tell. The society could fall into anarchy or it could change with the new leadership dictated by those who overtook it. As the citizens charged forward, the last defense of the government rested on a thin line of officers atop the great white stairs of the capital. The illumination from street lamps tore like a knife through the night, and their ebony armor and demoralizing rifles glinted sharply. 
The officers looked like shadows in between the carved, colorless pillars supporting the wide, Greek-like formation. Falling snow began to cover them like a blanket as still as they stood. With their adrenaline spiking and the cold winds burning their throats, they breathed heavily like dragons with clouds of heated mist pouring from their masks. The final line watched as their brothers and sisters-in-arms with shields, batons, beanbag guns, and tasers fell to the ground amidst the chaos. Many were beaten savagely with crowbars, wooden planks, studded bats, or even murdered with MacGyver-like blades. The officers waited as the white powdered steps were ascended with waves of citizens snarling with ferocity and shouting in hostility. Tiny, minute sounds couldn't be recognized to the pandemonium. It seemed like every noise in the world decided to mound and meld together for this very moment, a disordered symphony only growing louder and louder until eardrums burst and blew. Shouts bellowed with screams following suit, Blunt weapons collided against armor. Tasers stung into flesh. Fire ignited on the concrete and bombs exploded, clashing against steel, iron, brick, and stone. It was almost warm with the body heat and hot breath pouring out of every man and woman in the streets. However, warmth didn't comfort anyone on this night. The bodies and blood inspired the cold winds to sweep ever more into the people, police and citizen alike, parading endless chills down each and every person's spine. Gray smoke, black ash, and orange pepper spray filled the avenues and alleys like a stream of liquid toxin, burning noses and watering eyes relentlessly. The smell of cinders and char enveloped everyone as easily as falling into foam. The rank, foul-smelling singe plowed through the city as if it were a tsunami. At the back of every person's conscience, like a flickering light in a dark room, pulsed the idea of fleeing, to be wholeheartedly human, to accept the fact they wanted to live and see the sunrise the next day. But nothing can stop a man with zealous intentions or those who stand against him. It was nothing less than a battlefield on the very streets of the capital. Yet one could look to the black sky for the briefest of moments and, in between the falling ashes, perceive something beautiful. He could watch the elaborate, tiny snowflakes flutter into view from the street lamps, swarming down like flour poured on dough, and can almost believe the world possessed a scrap of decency, but the inevitable reality of it all would eventually come tumbling back down. It all ended with flashing lights, lights that pierced the blackened skies like fireworks and drove the body feral with pain, then gunshots, blood, and screams followed, permeating the streets and clashing against the mighty reflecting buildings. Mustering in a final line of defense, formidable armored officers wielded military-grade rifles against the people. As they pulled their triggers, they listened to the tormented wails and whines caused by the hail of relentless lead. Bullets speared into flesh and bone, cut through arteries and tendons, and seized muscles and nerves. The city had been consumed by mayhem once the onslaught commenced. Muzzle flashes from the barrels of guns were ceaseless, and the screams of agony echoed forevermore in the hearts and minds of the people. Make no mistake, some things will never be forgotten. All right, that just about wraps up the entire episode. This episode's going to be like nine minutes, but honestly, I really, really enjoyed it. So that being said, I really, really 
hope y'all enjoy it too. And these are in the works, right? So this is kind of like the skeletal structure. I have a long road to getting published for this sucker right here. I've got about 30,000 words and like, I don't know, 10 other short stories. So I I hope y'all enjoyed this little sneak peek. So, I mean, there's really nothing else to say. Oh, besides, I'll most likely be back on track next week. I'm setting up two interviews. I'm not going to say anything about it right now because I want to be sure I have the interview set in stone first. But, oh yeah, can I give anything? It's going to be, oh, it's so vague. It's going to be about jobs, okay? That may not sound interesting, but it will be, all right? You've got to trust me. This will be awesome. All right, so check back next Friday for a brand new episode. And we'll be back on track with a new topic, right? Okay, y'all have a lovely morning, evening, or night. Thank you.